For our scripture reading tonight, I'd invite you, if you have a Bible with you, to turn with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. For those of you who are visiting with us uh, on uh, these occasions when we do not gather on the Lord's Day, uh, we don't necessarily consider it a worship service like we do the Lord's Day, so we don't begin with God's greeting, we don't end with the benediction. Um, we uh, allow a little more freedom in these uh, types of gathering and uh, these off-Lord's Day um, times that we have of celebration and praise. So uh, you'll experience that with the message tonight as well, it's less than a sermon. It's more like a, a devotional or a meditation, um, and it will be done uh, in the first person. Uh, the book of Luke, as we know, uh, Luke tells us that he lays out for us in his book that which he has found through eyewitness accounts. Luke himself was not there. Luke himself did not see. He was not one of the disciples. So if you think about, for example, the events we're going to read about in the passage of Luke 17, where did Luke get that information then? Well, we know okay, that, it's, that, that ultimately it's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and directing, uh, inspiring him uh, to write. But Luke himself says, I, I, I got this from other folks. I, I did it through eyewitness accounts. I, I talked to people. So it would appear that the passage, for example, and the most of the book of Luke, the source for it would have been other disciples. So as we, after we read that word and pray, I uh, want you to consider that with me from a disciple's perspective, this passage. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father, as we hear your word, that breathed out word, with which, Father, you gave to your servant Luke, which has now come to us, that breathed out word, to us. May your spirit take that word and plant it deep in our own hearts upon this eve of a Thanksgiving day. 
and all that lies ahead. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen. Well, Jesus had been instructing us, if you go back into earlier into Luke chapter 17, about faith. He had taught us about the power of faith. And if we had but just a little faith, that which could be accomplished, mountains could be thrown into the sea. I think you know probably enough about us as disciples at this stage of Jesus' ministry to know uh, we didn't have it uh, all together up here or in here. We didn't always understand that which Jesus was talking about and comprehend. It's only after that outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost that, that we finally begin to put the pieces, as it were, together in our own minds. And so here we are, we're walking to Jerusalem. And if you follow the the passages through that Luke has given to you, we're we're on the way to Jerusalem for the final time. We're on the way to Jerusalem where Jesus is going to ultimately suffer and die. Now, we didn't know that, even though Jesus keeps telling us it. uh, we're, We're still not getting exactly what's going to happen there in Jerusalem. But we've been instructed on faith and we're mulling that over and thinking about all the things. What could that mean? If we have enough faith, we could say in mountain thrown into the sea. What an amazing thing. What an amazing teaching. Suddenly, as we come to one of the villages, Jesus encounters a most unique situation. Now, we've dealt with lepers before. But we've dealt with them individually. We've never had a whole group of lepers that we have encountered. Now remember, this is near the end of his ministry. So we've seen a lot of Jesus' miracles. But that which we are about to see is unlike any other miracle that Jesus has performed. And so as we come to this village... Outside of it, we hear men beginning to cry out, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. Well, that's what Luke reports, but there was something else these men said. Because it's required by law. Unclean, unclean. Because they were lepers. The the passage, the text tells you that this was at a distance. Actually, I can tell you what that distance was. Now, I I don't have to have, I I didn't have, you know, one of your nice laser pointers or something like that to be able to tell it. But, But I know what the distance was because the rabbi set the distance. Now, this is extra biblical. You you know that. The law gives us certain parameters. Luke, uh, Leviticus chapter 13, Numbers chapter 5 give us laws about dealing with with, uh, lepers. But the rabbis added some things just to make sure things were guarded. And one of the things they added was the distance you needed to be the first time you cry out to someone who is coming your your way. The first time you say unclean is when that person is at about a hundred paces. Now if a pace is approximately three feet, that would mean 
about 300 feet. For those of you who are engaged a little bit more in sports, that's 100 yards, that's a football field. So the distance of a football field away is the distance when somebody came, you as the leper were required to call out, unclean, unclean. When they were at a distance, when we were at a distance, when Jesus was at a distance from these men, they cry out. But that's not all. They cry out, have mercy on us. Have mercy. If you recall last Sunday night, uh, the way in which that passage ended in the book of Hebrews as Pastor Bob was talking about it is that there's the two aspects, right? There's mercy and grace. When they cry out for mercy, they're looking for relief from this physical torment that they are under. They are lepers. I don't have to go in, I don't suppose, into all the details, uh, but, but to su- simply cover some of those basics. One, leprosy is a disease in which numbness begins to take over, the skin begins to erode, Eventually, limbs begin to fall off, and death will come. It's a disease that not only stinks, you can smell a leper. You can smell it because of that dead skin. But it's a hideous sight to look at as well. But it's also... and. You folks might be kind of interested in this, given what I hear you folks are dealing with these days. It is very contagious. I think you're supposed to stay six feet away from folks and so on. Remember what I told you. At 100 paces, at 300 feet. You know how you, you, you've been feeling these last months trying to maintain some form of distance? How alienated that makes you feel. How alone that makes you feel. Imagine if the nearest anybody can get to you is 300 feet. Imagine how isolated and alone and alienated that life is. But but you at least get to, well, you're told you're not supposed to have a big turkey dinner tomorrow with all the people around you, but you at least got your family. We don't have that. We're not even allowed to be with our family. We didn't get to, as it were, quarantine with our family. We're kicked out. We're kicked out of our house. We're kicked out of our city. We're kicked out of our community. But you know, even if you even if you, you were to come down with COVID, you, you still have a relationship with God, don't you? But we have no access to the temple. We have, we have no means of that. There, there's no religious means by, by which we can exercise our belief. We're not allowed to bring sacrifices. We can't even go near the place. It would be impossible for us even to hand off a sacrifice to somebody else and have them bring because they can't touch what we have touched. When we're at a distance, 
walking that road, here are these men. Unclean, unclean. Have mercy on us. A hopeless, hopeless reality. You're never going to be cured of this. You know, the only comfort you have is watching other people die. Because at least you can say they're out of their misery. It's done. No more suffering. And those are the people you get to hang around with. People who are dying all around you. You know, amongst us as disciples, they're crying out, have mercy. And we're wondering, what's he supposed to do? What mercy is Jesus supposed to bring? What do these men expect? What do they want? Are they looking for alms? Are they looking for money? What, what is it they want? And then the, one of those strange things again of Jesus that you'd think by now we would be accustomed to, we'd be ready for, we'd be prepared for, we'd be, oh, <laughs> yeah, we see, never. We're, 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 we, we've, we still haven't figured this out. Jesus says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. He hasn't said to them, be healed. He hasn't issued one statement about healing. He hasn't lifted up a hand in the distance and says, be healed. He hasn't taken off his outer cloak and thrown it to these men and then backed up and said, guys, come, come touch my outer cloak and you will be healed. Nor has he sold a hanky for $14.99 to them because to, he wiped his sweat off with it and if they just touched the hanky. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't command any evil spirits. He doesn't command any demons to leave. He simply says to the ten men, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, they have to show themselves to the priest. Why? Because that's the Levitical law. Matthew chapter 5. I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. He's not telling them to do something new, something different, something un-according to the ceremonial law. But if these men are going to be allowed back into society, if they're going to be allowed back to their families, if they're going to be allowed back into their towns, if they're going to be allowed back into the temple, there has to be a priest who pronounces them clean. That's the law. Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. So the only reason you'd go to the priest is because you're clean. These men can't go to the priest unless they are clean. Now, they don't have to go to the priest in Jerusalem. Right? You think about uh, Zechariah's uh, 
the good doctor prayed about the coming of Advent, and we think about, uh, you know, the, the, the father of John the Baptist. You know, he's on tour of duty there in the temple for a period of time. But the rest of the time, he's off in his own town. So these men don't have to go to Jerusalem. They just have to go to the local town. If there is a priest there, show themselves, and he can declare them, you're clean. But the only reason you do that is if you are clean. And the text, and I can tell you this from watching it, these men standing before Jesus at this moment, they're at a distance, are as leprous as they were when we first came on the scene. And when they turn around and start back towards Jerusalem, they are just as leprous as they were when we started. The text tells you exactly what happened. While they were on the way, they were healed. They weren't healed until they turned around and started going to the priest. What is Jesus doing? Do you believe me? Remember what this whole thing started with about faith? Do you trust me? Do you trust me enough to commit a very dangerous act? Oh, dangerous not in the sense of their life. Dangerous in the sense of how foolish is this? A bunch of us as lepers turning around and going to find a priest when we've got leprosy? But do you trust me? These men trusted. They turned. They went. Most commentators say they were probably out of sight. <laughs> but they weren't out of earshot. <laughs> you imagine that? Just, just imagine that scene. Right? They're walking along, and as they walk, Fred, you're... Your leprosy is gone. George, so is yours. Eli, your, yours is gone. Look, I, I, guys, look, it's gone. I'm healed. I'm healed. And the sound of that joy. And as they went, they were healed. I don't, I don't think there's another miracle that the other disciples and I witnessed anything like this. Ten men with leprosy. No comment about their faith. No comment about, you know, go home to your servant. Your faith has made him well. Nothing like that. Just go show yourself. That's all Jesus required. Just turn around, go, and show yourself to the priest. He didn't even say, and you will be healed. He didn't even say those words. If you do this, you'll be healed, guys. He just said, go and show. And they turned around and went. And as they went, they were healed. We continued on our journey. 
Suddenly, there's the sound of somebody running behind us. Master, master, master. Jesus, hold up a minute, hold up a minute. And the most astonishing thing to us as disciples is this. This man comes, not at his 300 feet, but he comes and he kneels before Jesus. He was healed. The leprosy was gone. The one who returned. Luke noted for you because it was apparent to all of us. Might as well say it. He's a Samaritan. Even Jesus comes back later and asks in the question says, Nobody left but this foreigner? This guy who really doesn't even know the law? This guy who doesn't really, hasn't been under the blessing of this covenant? This man who hasn't been taught the exact truth? Samaritans always kind of had a side truth. They had a little bit and went off to the sides. And there was all sorts of tangents in the Samaritan way of viewing things. This man who is an offcast by the Jewish society... And the only buddies he can find in life are other guys who are dying. Lepers. He's the guy in front of Jesus. We're told he gave him thanks. <laughs> that he did. Thank you, Jesus. You might ask why any of them came back, right? Nine don't. Why did any of them come back? Who would have told Luke that they were healed? Who would have told Luke? The last time you saw these guys, they've disappeared over the hill. Who's Luke going to find out from that they were healed? other than the one who came back. See, never underestimate, never underestimate the power of thanking the Lord. Never underestimate the power of the witness that it is to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for that which you have done for me. That thank you made its way into the gospel according to Luke through witnesses such as myself who saw and observed. But what of the other nine? I'm shrugging my shoulders because I don't know. We know they were healed. How do we know they were healed? We have the Samaritan who came and told us they were healed. Did they do that which Jesus commanded? Did they go and show themselves to the priest? Most likely, because the, what good would their healing do without the okay from the priest? They asked for mercy. They receive mercy. They ask, have mercy. Have compassion upon our physical need. Have compassion upon us. We are lepers. Help us. Help us with our leprosy. 
and Jesus healed them. Jesus asked the question, were not ten healed? Of course, he, he's not asking the question because he doesn't know. He fully knows. The questions are there to penetrate, aren't they? Weren't there ten? In other words, why is there only one here? What of the other nine? And seeing this one that's there thanking him is Seen as the Samaritan, what does that mean the others are? It means the others are Jews. All the blessings of the covenant. All the blessings that are now going to return to them in being able to go back to temple worship. All the blessings of that relationship with God through the sacrifices of atonement. That fellowship with their fellow believers. All those blessings. All those benefits. The benefit of clean skin. The benefit of being made whole. The benefit of family. The benefit of friends. The benefit of fellowship. No stinking rotten flesh anymore. But no thanks. Where are they? No one left but this foreigner. And you might think that's the end of the, the deal. Lesson taught. Whew, boy, do we have to be grateful. Yes, we should be. And I'm not talking, for those of you on live stream, about being in church tonight and being at a thanksgiving service. No, it's having that heart of thankfulness. Of always having that heart. Been told it's a tough year. A year, most of you would say, like any other you have ever experienced. Whether it's pandemic or elections. Do you still have a thankful, grateful heart? But you know, the best of this story is still to come. After those questions, Jesus makes one more statement to this Samaritan. Did you hear how Luke put it? Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now ponder that a minute. What does Jesus mean? Well, it means his leprosy is gone. No, his leprosy was already gone. His leprosy was gone when he went to show himself to the priest. So what does it mean your faith has made you well? Well, if you look at the reading of it and all readings of it and the breakdown of it, it is this. This man received not only mercy, this man received grace. You're saved. You're saved. The throne of grace where we can come 
where we can come to receive mercy and to find grace. That's what this Samaritan did. He received from the one who is indeed the great high priest. Mercy. He's healed from his leprosy. But he also found grace. Your faith. Your faith has saved you. A faith that was God's gift to this man that was greater. Nine other men receive mercy. But they receive no grace. One. One. Receive both. Are you not glad, my friend, that upon this Thanksgiving in your life, you can say, I have received mercy but I have also received grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. There's so much going on in this passage. So many truths that are coming to us, even at this time, at this stage of of our lives here now in 2020. And yet, Lord, in this passage, in the midst of all of this, pain and suffering, we find the one who rules over all. We find the sovereign Lord. We find that great high priest. The one who gave mercy. And the one who gives grace. Ah, we thank you. We thank you tonight, Father, for that grace. Grace to live, grace to die. We pray, Father, as an elderly mother of our brother Pete lays uh, in a bed tonight, Lord, unresponsive and perhaps uh, again approaches death. Lord, what a comfort. What a comfort. That her great high priest is the, the priest of mercy, the priest of grace. A grace, Father, and a mercy that we experience. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.